Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The FIFA Women's World Cup 2015. Brought to you by the Offside Rule and Audio Boom. Hello, this is our very first Offside Rule Women's World Cup special podcast from out in Canada. And we're based in Moncton. In fact, right now, we're just outside where England are training ahead of their second group game against Mexico. Uh, Kate Borsay joins me as normal. And we've got to give some insight into this town that we're in, a sleepy Canadian city called Moncton. It's very sleepy. In fact, it looks very new. I was asking a taxi driver um, how new the town was. And he insisted that it was one of the first territories of Canada. So I was thinking, well, where's the 100-year-old house? But there just simply isn't anything. It's, it, it's like a new-build town, isn't it? And also, as he dropped us off at, at our hotel, he was pointing out the sites, one being an Irish bar, the other being a Starbucks. <laughs> Such typical English, aren't we? <laughs> we are going to be talking, of course, women's football today. We'll round up all the first games now because they've all happened. We've gone through all the group games, the opening games for everybody, which has included eight debutants in the Women's World Cup. So we're going to talk about some standout moments from that. Uh, we're going to hear from Jill Scott, we did a quick fire round with her, which is quite revealing about some of her teammates. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, they can't hear too much. They're concentrating on the football in the background. They're literally just feet away from us, by the way. If you can hear some shouts in the background, it's probably Tony Duggan. She's got the loudest voice. But no, you need to listen to that Jill Scott thing. There's some really funny stuff in there. Also, Sue Smith, who's a regular on the Offside Rule podcast, she gives us her Canadian journey so far. I think she spent more time on, on aeroplanes, actually. <laughs> and we will also talk for topic two, the most cap players. Mm. Um, I think many people surprised by how... How many women at this World Cup have got over 100 caps? Not only that, some over 150, some even over 200. (gasps) The France team has got seven alone. Yeah, seven players that have got over 100 caps. Get the latest interviews and news from the Women's World Cup at audioboom.com. So we are here teaming up with Audio Boom, and it's worth mentioning that Audio Boom have a Women's World Cup channel. On the day of the England-France match alone, we counted it up, Kate Borsay, and 33 <laughs> pieces of audio went up, didn't they, from us? Woohoo for us! <laughs> Can we give ourselves a big round of applause, please? Uh, but yes, we're here with Audio Boom, so make sure you keep across their site for all the latest updates from us. We'll be doing two of these podcasts a week as well, but all also at Offside Rule Pod for all the match updates. If you want to know who scored when and you can't get to a TV set um, as the BBC has shown some of the games, then we'll make sure that we have it across our feed. Uh, well, let's talk about some of the talking points then from the opening games from all of the groups. And I'll start with you and, and what's just stood out. Well, Germany, to me, out-and-out favourites for the tournament now, especially when in your first game you mark your intentions with a 10-0 victory. I know that they were playing Ivory Coast, but actually the Ivory Coast goalie was pretty good. What stood out for me, Celia Sassic, she's going to be one of the players of the tournament, already a golden boot contender, along with Anja Mittag as well. Anja Mittag, by the way, both players scored hat-tricks, but Anja Mittag managed to bag a couple of assists as well. Looking forward to the Germany-Norway game, which, as we record, this hasn't happened yet. But stand out for me, it's all all about who can beat Germany. Well, this is typical of Kate Borsay and I. It was actually a double header, England, France, and then it was Colombia, Mexico afterwards. Mm. So we stayed around in the ground and we watched the opening 20, 25 minutes and mm. thought Mexico looked pretty good. Mm. Of course, what we then did was we exited the stadium and we missed what potentially could be <laughs> goal of the tournament. Now, this is typical of us, isn't it? Um, it's a year on from James Rodriguez scoring that brilliant goal in the Men's World Cup. Well, Montoya, what a strike that was. We've watched it over again on 
replay, it does look like a pretty sweet strike, doesn't it? For anyone listening, thinking they are the worst journalists in the world, we did have media commitments we had to get to, by the way. That's why we had to leave the game. Normally, I have an ethos of never, ever, ever leaving a soccer game. Um, I like the look of, of Mexico as well, so I do think it could be quite a test mm. on Saturday, but I'm sure England are up for that. Um, anything else that stood out? Yeah, I think uh, looking at some of the debutants, which have impressed the most, this has gone under the radar a bit. Uh, Cameroon played Ecuador and beat them 6-0. Three goals for Gael Angamui. Now, I don't know if I've pronounced her surname right, but she was great. And as a team, they scored three first-half goals in 11 minutes. So Cameroon having a lot of fun at this tournament already. Keep an eye out for them. Um, Spain-Costa Rica, two days debutants playing each other. Um, a one-all draw. Next up for Spain is Brazil, but if you're an Arsenal ladies fan, you can catch Vicky Lasada. She scored the goal for Spain in that game. Well, also, if you have missed this, uh, we've already had two World Cup records. They mm. both came for Brazil in their game where they beat South Korea 2-0. Uh, Marta has now become the player that scored the most World Cup goals in women's World Cup history. That's 15 goals overall for her. And for Maiga, she's become the oldest goal scorer at age 37 to score in a women's World Cup. We thought that was pretty impressive just in one match. Mm. Talking of veteran players, I hope she's not offended by this, but I was impressed by Christine Sinclair's composure on taking that penalty. Very first game of the tournament. A lot of pressure on Canada as the host. She so coolly slotted through that penalty in injury time. I thought that, that was good. It's quite interesting because many people said that the World Cup got off to a great start with that game in terms of entertaining football and it being a good advert. I spoke to some England fans at our hotel, Lindsay, who were there in Vancouver watching the game. They weren't that impressed with it. And one of them was a female football coach. Well, I'll tell you the one that I was impressed with. The game that stood out for me was Sweden-Nigeria. Finished 3-3. Their first group game and it was my tip of, of Nigeria being dark horses mm. that I started to wonder um, sort of halfway through the first half when they were 2-0 down what have I said? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> what have I tipped? But they came back very strong. Yeah. Um, I, th I think Nigeria looked like a good team unit, so I'm excited to see more of them. And I thought Sweden were quality as well. And we have to mention England. Um, a little bit of the backlash, as we mentioned, because um, many thinking that it wasn't the most entertaining football that Mark Sampson set up very defensively. It was always going to be that case with France. Um, and they're going to the next two group games now and say and insist that they take some positives from it. Yeah, we bumped into a few players in Moncton, actually, and that, that's the great thing about being here is that players are out with their parents. We've got a great relationship with a lot of the players and we're getting to know their parents as well, which is really sweet because when we need a mum or dad here, when we're feeling a bit lonely, we've got loads of parents to choose from. You can have a hug from Karen <laughs> Carney's mum. Exactly, she's lovely. Um, but we bumped into a few of the players last night and, of course, they are disappointed because it's a, a defeat and they're not wired to accept a defeat. But when you stand back and look at it and having spoken to Marianne Spacey, as we've just done today, she said, no, they've reassured the players, they've let them know that this is part of the game plan um, and they've just got to focus on the next two games now. Well, speaking of England, we caught up with Jill Scott and put a few quick-fire questions her way. Some amusing answers amongst these. Hi, I'm Eniola Luco and you're listening to the Offside Rule. We get it. Out in Canada for the 2015 Women's World Cup. And with Jill Scott... And this is before you play the France game, so you've had a little bit of time to just bed in into life in Canada with your teammates. Out of curiosity, who are you rooming with? Leanne Sanderson. Is that a good mix-up? Have you been with her before in a room? Yeah, I've, um, I've roomed with Leanne for about 18 months now. Uh, so, yeah, we're very good friends, so I was happy with that. 
Okay, brilliant. Well, just answer these. It's a quick fire round. Who's the most likely in the entire team to forget their room key? Yeah, maybe me, but I would also say any Oliver Lugo. Although she's one of the brightest members of the squad, she has no common sense. <laughs> uh, favourite meal that you've had so far? Um, favourite meal? Oh, we've got this really nice fish, actually, in uh, Toronto, which was like a breaded fish. And I know it sounds really random, but I think me and Leanne had about four bits each, so <laughs> that was probably my best meal. Something that you didn't know about Canada, or in particular Moncton, where the England team are based. Oh, God. I don't know about Moncton, but I actually didn't know that Justin Bieber was Canadian. That's probably really bad. But, yeah, I found that out whilst I was here. Who has the longest lions at the squad? That's probably me and Leanne as well, because breakfast is usually a roll and breakfast, eight till half nine, and me and Leanne will get there at 25 past nine. Who is most bothered about what they look like on the pitch? Um, that's got to be Alex Scott. Who's got the best celebration dance and not one that's visual on the pitch? We're talking in the bars. Oh, in the bars. I'd have to say any Oliver Lugo and Leanne Sanderson. When them two get together, it's like it's like a duet. So, yeah, I'd say them two. Favourite song to warm up to to get you riled and ready for, for action? I've got loads of songs, but I have actually got a tattoo, which is Whitney Houston, Step by Step, Day by Day, Mile by Mile. So I like the lyrics of that one. This can be for any reason as well. Favourite player from another team? Favourite player? I actually like Christine Sinclair. I just think she's a massive legend for Canada and she showed that the other day by keeping her cool and slotting home a penalty in front of 55,000 Canadians in the 92nd minute, so I would say that. And how precise was that penalty kick? I mean, it literally hit the inside of the post, didn't it? Yeah, it was great composure and obviously a fantastic goal. Get the latest interviews and news from the Women's World Cup at audioboom.com. Lovely to hear from Jill there, and we'll have more of those to come in our next podcast. Um, let's talk most cap players then. We talked about Christine Sinclair already, who is one of the most cap players in the Women's World Cup. In fact, I think she might be the most. Um, she scored that penalty in the 93rd minute for Canada in the opening game with all that pressure, mm. all the media spotlight on that very first game to kick things off. Um, she actually has uh, been capped 222 times, 154 goals. She's been a nominee for World Player of the Year six times between 2005 and 2012. She hasn't won that award, incidentally, but wow, what a career she's got. So that will start us off and inspire us for most cap players. Who have you found? Well, have I got to beat you on this? So it's basically cap off, so I have to raise you one, do I? If you can, if you can raise 222. <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, I am going to raise you the only goalkeeper that's won the World Player of the Year, Nadine Angora. She's a legend in Germany, isn't she? 36. Uh, she's won two World Cups, 2003 and 2007. She's easily the most decorated goalkeeper in the women's game. She's got 138 caps, Lindsay, so not quite as many as you. Um, and she's going to retire from her club this year. So she is in the twilight of her career, but the record of 540 minutes without letting a goal into the net remains a record at the World Cup finals. Well, I think in this cap-off, we're going to have to introduce other features because I don't think we can beat Christine Sinclair. So in terms of caps and goals and assists and maybe how many World Cups they've been at, let's bring in all that information. Well, I've got a Japanese player and they're the reigning champions, of course, um, who have the World Cup title. Whether it goes back to them again, we'll have to wait and see. But Hamar Sawa, now she is 36 years old, one of the veterans in their squad. Uh, not bad going though, 198 caps. It doesn't Ooh. doesn't top Sinclair, but it's up there. Scored 83 goals internationally. Um, she's played a leading role in this side for a long time, but before coming out, it was touch and go whether she would come to this World Cup. Um, 
whether we see her score more goals because she is usually their penalty taker uh, we could see some more notched onto that but a record six appearance in a World Cup so yeah. great for her and she'll easily break that 200 caps won't she here at the tournament um, I'm going to raise you Laura Georges a French player um, I love the French as you know I love speaking French I'm very at home in this bilingual city of Moncton that we're don't you mess up now <laughs> um, Laura Georges someone that I've picked out one of the most experienced players at this World Cup before this tournament started she had 158 caps and of course uh, she'll be adding to that during the next few weeks. Um, she started her footballing career at the age of 12 with French club Paris Saint-Germain, doing great things in the ladies' game, by the way. Now she's been played in America too. Six-time French league winner um, in the Champions League this year as Paris Saint-Germain lost to Wolfsburg. Um, she's in a great team. She doesn't quite surpass Sandrine Souberon for me, uh, ex-French player, but I have to mention her because she's on 198 caps. She easily surpassed Lilian Thuram as the country's most capped player. So a few Frenchies in there for you. We have to mention one of our own from England, Farrah Williams. Many will know that she's the most capped player. So that's 141 caps now for her with that appearance against France as well. The most capped footballer in English history, male or female. So we have to bring that into things. Um, not only that, it's her third World Cup. And despite playing in all of England's 2007 group games, she was actually suspended for their group quarterfinal defeat to the USA. Um, and I think from that point of view, if England do go as far as the quarterfinals, it'd be great to see her play in that match. And when you look at these cap holders, some of them record-breaking cap holders, you've got to remember where they've come from and the challenges that they've had in the game. And if you look at Farrah Williams, says, you know, you'll be able to read about it all over the internet. But she was homeless for a period of time, for quite a significant period of time. So, you know, fighting against what might keep you from having this career that you should always be destined to do. You know, if you've got a talent, you, you should be able to do it. And Farrah's certainly fought against it to achieve. Well, before we go, we're going to catch up with Sue Smith, who's been flying all over the place covering World Cup games, not just England. Gotta love Sue, by the way. I just, I just love her. I just want to pop her in my pocket. Oh, she's very pleased this morning. She's washed her hair. It looks great. She's having lots of photos today. <laughs> Got that great haircut. Uh, this is what she's been up to. I sat down with her in uh, Bubba Ray's, the only sports bar, oh. it seems, in Moncton Town. Hi, I'm Leanne Sarson. I'm loving being out in Canada for the 2015 Women's World Cup. With the offside rule, we get it. Well, regular Offside Rule listeners will know that Sue Smith regularly does a WSL roundup for us, but it's not very often we're in the same room at the same time. And actually, you've been spending more time in the air in Canada, haven't you? I really have. I've been travelling all over. So I originally flew into Ottawa. It took about eight hours. We covered the Germany-Ivory um, Coast game, which was an absolute whitewash, um, sort of 10-0 to, to Germany. So they just showed how strong they actually were. Many people thinking that France are up there as contenders with Germany and we're yet to the USA that's later on this evening so with regards to that having seen Germany how big do you think the gulf is between those sorts of sides and the rest of the teams in this tournament I think there is a big gulf I think it's getting better I think that the, the gap is is getting closer um, but you know you look at the likes of Ivory Coast and, and Thailand and you think they are quite a way off the likes of Germany and, and France and France are actually my uh, my tip for the tournament I, I've, I've watched them a few times especially in friendlies and I know they always seem to slip up just as it comes to sort of quarterfinals semi-finals for maybe I don't know is it a mental thing people have been saying they sometimes it's penalties sometimes it's the odd goal but I think they look absolutely awesome at the minute so um, they're my tip for the tournament so uh, hopefully England will do well against them um, I think you know I think they'd be quite happy with a draw and then go on and win the other two games so yeah th there is a big gulf getting back to that but I think it is getting it is getting smaller um, I probably would have liked to have seen another European side um, in rather than maybe some of the the other countries that, that haven't performed as well so far in terms of players to watch out for and the ones that you've seen so far who's impressed 
you got to pick a German player. I think, you know, watching them yesterday, uh, Mittag, absolute quality, um, good on the ball, uh, good at bringing players in, creating chances and also scoring goals. Um, we haven't seen Marijan. She was injured yesterday. And again, she's probably going to come back into it and, and be a, another key player. Sasic, you, you could go through the whole German side attacking force. And um, yeah, there's a lot of, of good quality players there. I think for France, you look at the likes of Nassib, um, Le Sommer. So there's, there's lots of... of Good quality attacking. I'm going to pick an attacking player, aren't I? Being an attacking player myself, um, but I I think it's it's exciting because it's sometimes tournaments like this bring new players. And you know, I know the under 20s, especially France and, and Germany, they they've had a really good sort of few years. So I think they're just gradually getting into the, the you know the, the full national team and, and they're they're showing how good they are and, and pushing for a first first start. So I think we'll have a, probably a new star of the tournament. I hope anyway. That'd be nice. Also, just uh, finally, in terms of your predictions going forward, you, I know that you said that you're tipping France but with regards to England themselves how far do you think they're going to go oh it's really it's a really tough one I know I've, I've listened to quite a few interviews from from Mark and the rest of the girls and they say we can go all the way and win it and that's great to have that sort of confidence um for me I think quarters would be a, a good result I think out of the group stages so then it's I suppose it's see who they get you know we, we got to the Euro final and we got beaten our first game and it just depends who you get in the next next stage and sometimes you just need a little bit of luck so I would love them to um to get as far as they possibly can in the tournament because the longer they stay in the better it is for, for us and um for everybody in England. Have you ever seen anything like this? For the latest from the Women's World Cup, including blogs and features, go to offsiderulepodcast.com. Thanks very much to Sue. Well, we're going to return with another World Cup podcast. We hope you enjoyed this one. Remember, you can go to the Audio Boom Women's World Cup channel and get all of our audio there, amongst many other teams as well. I've seen lots of updates from the USA, Canada, and Australia on there as well. Yeah, you can head over to our Twitter account at Offside Rule Pod and check out Audio Booms as well at Audio Boom and our website, of course, carrying lots of highlights from the tournament. Guys, I'm desperately holding back Lindsay Hooper here. Just a little bit of behind-the-scenes insight because you can't see what's going on. Training literally going on a few feet away from us and I'm trying to hold Lindsay Hooper back. She's desperate to get on the pitch and show Mark Sampson her skills and it wouldn't be the first time that Mark's senior footballing skills, would it? No, we spoke to Marianne <laughs> Spacey earlier today and that interview, by the way, is available on Audio Boom. And, and in the background, she, she's seen me, Kate. She saw me score a really good goal and I'm hoping she remembers. I should have asked her. She's hoping for a late call-up. Until then... <laughs> Goodbye for now. The FIFA Women's World Cup 2015. Brought to you by the Offside Rule and Audio Boom. Sports Social Podcast Network.